Hey, I'm Caleb Howard, and this is Tales from Sacred Texts, a religious folklore and Christian theology podcast. Here, we discuss stories from the Bible, the Apocrypha, and the fine line between myth and history surrounding various belief systems. We take on the stories in a sarcastic and humor-driven way that doesn't take itself too seriously, but still shines a light on the principles and ideology behind the stories and their origin. Well, here's a first. 27 episodes in, and we're yet to do a story from the New Testament. And I haven't, because the Old Testament contains more obscure stories, and what's the fun of telling people what they've already heard? I remember when I was in church as a child, and the children's story would be something from the Bible. And maybe it's because I was already showing signs of being a heathen, but I'd sigh and tune out. What was the fun of hearing the same story again, told in a more boring manner than I've heard it before? Granted, we tell the stories in a more exciting way, but that's beside the point. I've also been staying away from the New Testament because I've been trying to keep sarcasm and Jesus separate as much as possible. I've tried to make my sarcasm incredibly tasteful and definitely not sacrilegious. Maybe I've crossed the line once or twice, but tastefulness is what I'm going for. Well, today we're doing it. We're venturing into the New Testament and we'll see what happens. We'll be doing the story of the prodigal son. I got the inspiration for this episode when I was listening to The Killers. Their song, Fire and Bone, is a retelling of the prodigal son's story, and I started realizing just how much the story encapsulates the gospel. But what encapsulates the gospel isn't some obscure lesson pulled out of thin air, but the story itself. So we'll get into that right now. Johnny was whistling a tune, walking through the vast, airy shade of the open patio of his family's estate. This would all be his one day. These riches would all be his. His father was one of the wealthiest men in the region. So in ancient times, that meant a slightly more comfortable bed, servants that waited on them hand and foot, a lot of smelly animals, and the very underrated perk of not starving to death. Well, that's what it meant as long as his father held the money. Johnny had bigger plans for it. He'd been off this smelly country, a state, was that what they were calling it now? To the city, Rome, Damascus. There were weird things to eat there, like these round spiky fruits. They were called pineapples or something. Those were like a thousand denarii apiece. They ate fruit all season long, and the meats, they were something like. So that was apparently what led Johnny to walk into the room where six or so servants were fanning his father. It was a hot day. He had only six. His father was too frugal. That was what led Johnny to walk into the room and burst out with, Dad, I wish you were dead. His older brother, sitting next to his father, sucking up to him about his plan for expanding the 25th field of wheat and growing barley there instead, almost spat out his wine. You said... What? Perhaps sensing that he'd gone too far, but definitely choosing to double down, Johnny repeated, Dad, I wish you were dead. Like, really? I'd love, let me repeat, absolutely love to be in your place right now handling the money. I could do so much with it. I'd have so much fun. The father questioned, You'd want to be in my place, having one of my sons wishing I was dead and the other fawning over me, also wishing I was dead but not coming out and saying it? Johnny rolled his eyes. No, not that. The money part. Seriously, did his father know anything? 
He was a perfectly capable young man, despite being all of 18, and he really knew exactly what to do with the money. Then his face brightened. Perhaps his father could just give him the money now. Instead of having to sit on his hands waiting for his father to die, perhaps his father could pay up his portion of the inheritance now. I mean, wouldn't that be a good business move for the father? He wouldn't want to go from a plowing accident. Wait, his father didn't plow. Maybe just a weird disease after a night of drinking and partying? The father sighed. No, he wouldn't want to go like that. Maybe he could give Johnny installment payments. The father suggested, keep him around, help him to learn to manage the money, work on their father-son quality time. No, Johnny snapped. The money. Now. The father groaned. Okay, give him a few days. The estate wasn't liquid, you know. He'd have to sell off most of his fields, a good bit of the household possessions, but give the father maybe a week or two, and he'd have the money. One half of the family's estate. Johnny turned to walk out of the room, but just as he was about to pass under the archway and out into the blazing heat, he turned to look over his shoulder. Hurry up, he snapped. It was a stressful week for the father. Selling properties, precious family heirlooms, really half the stuff he had. But by the end of the week, he had a wagon full of gold that he presented to his son. If the son had any idea how much grief this was causing his father, he didn't care. He gave a snappy fake salute and then got onto his horse. He was heading for Rome. He bought a title of nobility like first thing. Who knew all the perks that came with that? He could literally do anything, immediately was considered better than most everyone for no reason, even if they were actually better than him, and people had to bow to him. That was kind of cool. But he preferred the fine things, or at least what passed for a good time 2,000 years ago. Five months later, the sun was unrecognizable. He was sleeping in the finest inn, surrounded by eight prostitutes, eating a whole pheasant, the finest wines, and some of the rarest delicacies. Tonight was a slow night for him. Last week, he hired twice the prostitutes, even bought a pineapple. That was nice. The thing wasn't that great, though. They'd suggest that he tried on this weird dish called pizza or something. The pizza was good, but pineapple? Really? Not the move. It was all right. There'd be other things to try. His friends were sitting around him, laughing and telling ribald jokes as the prostitutes cuddled up to him seductively. Johnny took a drink of the wine. He spat it out. Garbage. He yelled to the servants, You dare bring us this swill? Bring out some of the good stuff. Pronto. Next round's on me. His friends cheered. Johnny was really a jolly good fellow. If I narrated each of Johnny's nights, it would be a tedious listen. They were all different, at least in terms of what he spent his money on. They were similar in that he spent a lot of money every single night. It was literally in his name. They called him the prodigal son. Prodigal means wasteful. Wait, I thought it meant runaway or bad or something like that. Nope, wasteful. Anyway, you can probably tell where this story is going, even if you haven't heard it before. We don't know exactly how he got rid of all the money or why he didn't notice it sooner. He probably had his servants check his money and never really looked at it himself. Maybe he never checked his bank balance. But it was way too late when he realized just how low on funds he was running. He desperately tried to scale back his spending, but it wasn't easy for him. At the same time, the country had been hit hard by the election of a new president and prices were rising like crazy. It wasn't a good time to be growing broke. He'd missed the stimulus checks because he was too wealthy. But now, a year later, he was trying to make ends meet. He first had to stop the nightly parties. 
He slowly had to sell his fancy artwork, his fancy furniture, then his house, his chariot, and then his personal possessions. For a short time, he told his friends he needed them to spy him tonight. But as soon as they realized the cash was gone, they were gone. They only liked Johnny for his money. Johnny became desperate. He tried to beg on the streets, but everyone else was hungry too. After a few times getting sand kicked in his face, he tried to get a job. Any job. He finally found one. Feeding pigs. Wait, like literally the most degrading thing for a Jewish man to do? Yeah, that one. Feeding pigs was humiliating. The very worst. What was even worse was that the employer never even paid him. It was terrible. He was so hungry by the end that he would have settled for pig food, but nobody even allowed him to eat that. Finally, Johnny snapped. What in the world was he doing here? He was humiliating himself, kicked in mud and feeding swine, starving to death when he had been the son and heir of a wealthy family. Hell, even the servants that worked for his father had had it better than this. Johnny thought for a long while. Asking dad to take him back as a son was out of the question. But maybe, maybe if his father was having a good day, dad would let him become a servant. At least he'd have something to eat. He rehearsed this speech again and again on the road back home. Day after day, long night after long night. Father, I don't deserve to be a son. Make me a servant, please. I beg you. Meanwhile, the father was standing on the road. No servants were fanning him. His skin was getting sunburned. He was tired, exhausted. His servants begged him to come back inside. It had been years since Johnny had left. It was time to admit that his son was probably dead. He should enjoy the rest of his life in peace, not wait out on the street almost all day like he'd been doing for years. The father pushed his servants away. As long as there was even the faintest dream that his son would be back, he would wait as long as it took. He would wait forever, just for the hope that Johnny would come back. As he saw a speck in the distance, his heart leapt, like it had thousands of times. Maybe it was Johnny. It could be. It had to be. As the speck got closer, the father's heart soared. He had been disappointed thousands of times, but it didn't matter anymore. This one was Johnny. He ran toward his son, hobbling as best as he could. He ran and threw his arms around his lost son. The father was crying with joy, the son with astonishment at his father's great love. But the older brother was not happy. Johnny recited his speech, or tried. He got a few words into it when his father called to his servants. The best robe, please. Give him the best clothes. Let him have the family checkbook. What? The father's totally gone insane, the servant said. Let's use the most expensive food for a feast. My son is alive. Are you kidding? The older brother rolled his eyes. All that money that son of yours spent on prostitutes and now you give him a feast? When have I ever gotten a feast with my friends? The older brother snorted. I'm going back to work in the field. The father pleaded with the older brother. Your younger brother is alive, he begged. Come in and please celebrate. The older brother laughed. That's no brother of mine. The father begged his older son. You've been in the best place this whole time. With me. 
Your brother missed out on years of being with me. I can only do my best to make up for lost time. We don't hear what the older brother did because the parable is meant to leave us thinking. Are we the older brother? The story of the prodigal son makes it clear that God is always waiting for us to come back. The father can't chase after the prodigal son because the prodigal son doesn't want to come home. But the father is always waiting, hoping that his son will come back. That's just a little different because God does chase after us, always wanting us to come home. But in the end, it's only our decision that will bring us home. The killers wrote a song about the prodigal son. They say no one's going to save you. You've got to make it on your own. But I called from the dark and you picked up the phone. And that's very accurate to the prodigal son story. Though in the story, the son did not have a phone because phones didn't even exist yet. If they had, the father would have picked up and been there for his son. Life can be discouraging sometimes, but whenever we're alone, scared, and desperate, God will pick up the metaphorical phone and talk. No matter how much we insult God, he's still waiting on the road for us to come home. It doesn't matter where we are at, what we have done, how much we have insulted him. When we need God, he'll answer the metaphorical phone. He's been waiting for us to come back since the day we left. But if we haven't left, we should take care not to become the older brother. The older brother was jealous of the younger brother going out and having his fun, not realizing what Johnny had learned, that the real joy came from being with the father the whole time. The older brother only stayed with the father for the reward, but he was clearly miserable. It's such a temptation to be the older brother, to be so focused on the reward, heaven, that we become jealous of those having what passes for fun down here on earth. To be very clear, a Christian should absolutely have fun, but we should enjoy the types of fun that are consistent with following God's will. It's also a temptation to become the older brother by being so focused on the reward that we forget why we are Christians, because of our love and gratefulness to God. Alternatively, we can become the older brother by treating non-Christians poorly. We don't view them as our brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of God. Instead, they are interlopers who steal our thunder and change our established way of life. The story of the prodigal son ends with the father's explanation to the older son. Why the older son should be so joyful now that his brother had returned. But it never tells us what the older son did, because it leaves that up to us. I don't know why the prodigal son story means so much to me. I know it's a departure from the sarcasm of most of my episodes, and next season we'll be getting hardcore into sarcastic storytelling again. I promise, there's some really good stuff coming up. But I think that it's just I'm starting to realize how much God loves us and how God won't leave us even in our times of hurt and pain. That's all for today. This season, we've learned so much about God. From the stories of Ahab and Caleb, where God will not allow his servants to be murdered or taken advantage of by evil people without justice, to the stories of Ehud and Jonathan, where God empowers his people to defeat their oppressors, God shows he is just and fair. We've seen the stories of Judith and Tobit, showing that God looks out for his people even when things get very hard. Then we see the story of Job, where suffering is not caused by God, but by Satan. God has sympathy for Job's suffering, and we get to see behind the scenes as to what is really causing Job's misfortune. We then see the stories of Samson, Jephthah, and the golden calf, and we see just how off the rails humans can go without God. And finally, we see today's story, where we see God is always waiting and hoping we can come back to enjoy a life with Him. The central theme of this season has been why we as humans should choose God. 
I know I said this would be the last episode, but I have one more episode coming up where we'll distill the gospel into bite-sized pieces. Next season theme will be a way of life, and we'll see people throwing themselves into frying pans, fighting demons, having conversations with people who are obviously evil, and listening to them, and fighting off demons who are attacking with thunder and lightning. Yes, I already said fighting demons before, but there's going to be a lot of that. And with my classic sarcastic humor, we'll evaluate the way that various people live their lives. But that won't be next time. We have one more episode with some notes on faith, and we'll find out what rock hyraxes have to do with the gospel. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell your friends about how great this podcast is and how far we've come. I'm really so grateful to each one of you for letting me entertain you all and for listening to these topics that are important and exciting to me and clearly to you too. I wish you all an amazing weekend and I'll see you next time. Credits to myself, Caleb Howard for music and script writing. Credits to myself for theme music and to Anchor Podcasts and Evoke Music for background music. That's all. Thank you.